So I've been, I've said this, you've probably said this, and we've all heard this phrase, in the world, but not of the world, right? Have we heard that? We're in the world, but not of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. So we're going to take a little different perspective on this. It comes out of John 17, and I want to challenge us to look at it from this way. We start from the place that we are not of the world, and we move towards the place of being sent into the world. Okay, so it's just a little bit different. But when Jesus breaks it down in this prayer in John 17, he starts at the place we are not of this world, and then we are going to be sent into the world. In this text, Jesus is praying to the Father on behalf of his disciples. Kiddos, we know this, right? The disciples were what? They were his best friends, right? They were the ones he was closest to, the ones he did life with. And he was praying about this. It was actually the night before his crucifixion. So the very night before, Jesus is praying to the Father. And the very next day, they arrested him. They said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, yes, I am. They arrested him and hauled him away. So parents, when your kids go somewhere like camp, they go away to Aunt So-and-So's on an airplane, or maybe they just leave in the morning for school, the very last thing that you tell them is probably the most important thing, right? Don't forget to pay for your hot lunch. Don't forget to tell Grandma thank you. Whatever that last little sentence is usually, because we want it to stick, right? That very last thing. If I tell them right before they get out of the car, hopefully they'll remember. I feel like this is what Jesus was doing. So let's read this together. Can you guys see it? Maybe not. I'll read it. John 17:14 through 19. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I, Jesus, am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for, the sakes I, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the privilege and the honor, first of knowing you and being able to humbly just come before you in honesty and rawness and real. God, we can just come. We can just be. We don't have to strive or measure up. And God, this morning, I just pray that all of that would just be set aside. Lord, that we would be open to whatever it is that you want to speak to us this morning. That the word of truth would go deep down in our hearts. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would receive a nugget from you, something that they can grab a hold of that would be life-changing. There is power in your word. There's life in your word. Let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start with a story. Um, one late afternoon, it was right around Christmas time. I think it was right after Christmas time. It was late afternoon, and I thought, I need to go work out, which I think a lot of us right after Christmas probably thought that, right? So I go to our little community gym, and I walk in, and the gym is, like, downstairs. So I'm at the top of the stairs, and I'm thinking, there's going to be nobody here. It's Christmas, the holidays. I'm going to have the whole place to myself. So I'm walking in, and at the top of the stairs, I'm already disappointed. I'm like, I hear all the machines running. And I'm like, no. I don't like that because it's, you know, it's packed and you have to wait for a machine. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I walk down. And as I start to walk down the stairs, you go down, turn, and then down. As I'm on that first flight, 
I begin to smell something. And I'm like, what? It's sweat. It's B.O. And it's not a nice smell. So I'm going down the stairs. Now I'm really disappointed. It's not only busy, it's smelly. So I get down the stairs, turn the corner, and go down the other stairs, and it hits me like a ton of bricks. I've worked out there a dozen times. It has never smelled this bad. So I'm like, all right. Wow, it really smells. I walk in, sure enough, 12 out of the 15 machines are busy. Across the hall where the weights are, it's busy, and it stinks. So I'm trying to figure out, am I going to stay or am I not going to stay? Because it's that bad. And I think, I really need to work out. I should probably stay. So I put my stuff in the cubby, and I'm looking around as if to accuse someone. Which one of these suckers is so smelly? <laughs> so I'm looking for signs of perfume sweating. I'm looking for signs of, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I want to blame someone because it smells really bad. So I decide I'm going to get on the treadmill. I hop on the treadmill, and I start working out. At the very beginning of my run, I can barely breathe. I'm literally trying to hold my breath and run, which obviously does not work. So eventually, I get in a groove. I got my music on, and I'm just going for it. And about halfway through my run, I think, oh, it doesn't smell anymore. That's so awesome. So I look around, and I'm breathing better. I'm looking around. All the same people are still there because I'm thinking maybe some stinky people left. Oh, no. They're all still there. So I'm pondering this, and I'm like, okay, why does it not smell anymore? It doesn't smell. So I take a couple big sniffs. No, it really doesn't smell anymore. This is fantastic. And about the time I'm thinking that, it dawns on me. I have become one of those stinky people. I have joined the crowd, and I am now a culprit as well of making this odor in this little tiny community center gym. How could I acclimate and didn't even know it? For something that hit me like a ton of bricks, stopped me in my tracks, it was that bad, and just a little while longer, I'm one of them, and I don't, I don't even realize, I don't even smell it anymore. So it got me thinking, how is it that we are so easily able to just merge with things, to acclimate? When something is so repulsive or so yucky initially, and you're like, oh, that's, that's gross, that's bad, that's wrong, whatever. And if we're not careful, before long, not too long, we are doing the exact same thing or smelling the exact same way as what initially repulsed us. Mark, a couple weeks ago, he said, why are we repulsed by other people's sin but not our own? It's so easy to look and say, well, that sin's really bad, or their life is a mess, or oh my goodness. But yet, we smell the same way. We can often be sinning or have sin in our life, but it's not as obvious. We just acclimate to the culture. We acclimate to our surroundings. And I love Matthew 7, 3. It says, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? There we are looking around going, okay, all of this is so stinky, and so who's the culprit? Somebody's sinful. Somebody's doing something, and yet we've got this huge thing in our own life that God is not pleased with. It's not the Father heart of God. We see that our culture, politics, friendships, our convictions, they aren't godly, but we tend to just set in and let our lives just settle in that place. 
the gym's kind of a funny example, but it's true. And it got me thinking about what ways in my life it initially was I like, oh, I shouldn't do that, or oh, I shouldn't think that, or oh, that's not that's not God's heart. And then we find ourselves doing that. The, t- the Bible tells us in Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed. I think we all know this scripture. Do not be conformed, which means, or do not be fashioned according to. Do not conform to the same pattern to this world. But be transformed or be changed, be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind, through your thoughts, your feelings, and your will, that you may prove what is good and acceptable to the perfect will of God. I love that. I could tell myself that every day. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's get into the main text in John chapter 17. We're going to go through his prayer. This is a long prayer. This is just a short part of his prayer at the end in John 17. Um, and we're going to break it down verse by verse. So John 17:14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just, in, just as I am not of the world. So remember, Jesus is praying to his Father. And he's saying that, he's talking about his disciples here. So those people, he's talking about the people that know Jesus, they know the Father, they know the Word, they know the life that they're called to. Those people. It's pretty clear that Jesus sees his followers are not of the world, and he says that he's not of the world. What I love about Jesus is that he's repetitive. I'm a very repetitive person by nature. If I think it's important, I'm going to tell you a hundred times and my kids are like, oh my gosh, I know. I know. And I love that. Jesus is saying that. They're not of the world. I'm not of the world. So that not of the world phrase is not the destination. And I think this is a lot of times where us Christians get hung up. Because we're trying to get to that place where we, we don't look like the world. If I could just get over there where it's righteous and I'm serving God and I'm not stumbling all the time. If I could just be better, if I could just be more holy, if I could just stop blank. That's right. That's often what we find ourselves in that trap of trying to get to that place. If I could just be good enough, if I could just stop doing this behavior, that that would be it. That would be the destination. Friends, that is not the destination. We operate from that opposite place of not being of the world. Why? Because we're Christians. He came, he saved us, and we said, yes, Lord. That simple fact, that simple agreement to him, his love, and his purpose, that's the starting place. I am not of this world. Not because I have accomplished anything, not because I've arrived, not because I'm special in the sense that I earned it or I deserve it, simply because of the love of Jesus, and I said yes. So we start our life from that place. Does that make sense? Instead of trying to arrive there. So what is the destination then? If that's where we start, in that place of not being of the world, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit. So let's move on to John 17:15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Taking them out of the world would have been easier, right? They're mine. I love them. They know me. Lord, just take them out so they don't have to struggle. They don't have to to strive or worry or whatever. Just take him out. That would have been the easier prayer, but Jesus doesn't say that. He says, I pray that you do not take them out of the world, 
but that you keep them from the evil one. And guys, let's be honest. There is an evil one. There is one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and that only. He can only lie, right? He can only deceive. Jesus didn't pray for the Father to take us out. I think it's an honor and a privilege that he did that because we get to choose. And he also asked the Lord for prayer, or he prayed that there would be protection and covering, right? He was praying for wisdom, for covering, just like any good father would. Protect them, cover them, be with them, give them wisdom. I love John 4.4. 4. You are of God, and you'll find this all through Scripture. I never, I've known these scriptures my whole life. But then I started reading them, and they say, you are of God. You are not of the world. It's all throughout. This says, you are, you are of God, little children, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John 17, 16. Here we go again. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So again, didn't he say this two verses ago? I'm not of the world, they're not of the world. And now, he's back again in verse 16. They are not of the world, and I am not of the world. I think it's funny. I often remind God of stuff, as if he doesn't know. Do you guys do that when you pray? I'm like, let me just remind you. It's like Jesus is reminding God of who he is and who the disciples are. God already knows. But he's making it very clear here what he's thinking. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctified means to be completely separated from the world. Completely. When you're sanctified, that word almost used to scare me when I was a new Christian because I'm like, what does that mean exactly? That doesn't sound like something I can accomplish. I can't sanctified. It sounds so righteous and holy and biblical, and it is. Sanctified, but it mean, all it simply means is to be completely separated from the world. That's not that scary, right? Entirely devoted to God. You put it that way, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sanctified. Shake your head. I can do that. I can, I can be devoted to God. I can be entirely separated from the world. Why? Because of the Lord, not because of me. Jesus was praying for God to strengthen their faith and inflame their good affections. A commentary that I read said Jesus was asking God to let the light shine more and more, for him to complete it, crown it with the perfection of holiness, sanctify them throughout and to the end. Last verse, John 17:18. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Everybody say destination. That's the destination. So we start at that place of not of the world. We're not of the world. We are his. We are, that's identity, right? We are his children. We are called by his name. We are loved and cherished and chosen. That's the place that we start from. And where are we moving towards? Right here in verse 18. You have sent me into the world. I also have sent them into the world. Our destination, our goal, our end, our purpose, our mission, our meaning is for us to be sent into the world. Amen? Amen. So this whole thing, 
being not of the world, but being sent into the world is a little bit tricky for Christians, right? So we're not to be of the world. We're different. We're called. We're, we're separated. We're chosen. We're loved. There's all these things that we are. So we're not supposed to be of the world, but we're sent into the world. Can that be kind of tricky? I find that to be kind of tricky because every day of my life, I'm in very much in the world. I think you're very much in the world, at your job, in your neighborhood, in your families, in culture, in life. We're bombarded by what the world thinks and what the world wants us to think, what it wants us, how it wants us to dress, how the world wants us to do life, uh, all the politics, all the different angles, right? It's constantly telling us who we're supposed to be, but the Bible says that we are not of this world. And so that's the place that we move from, but we're still sent into that very world that we're not part of. Is that tricky to anyone else? It's a little tricky. So the two parts of that, going into the world, not being of the world, if we find ourselves in a frustrating spot. But we have to assemble our best energies we have to rally the troops. We have to encourage one another. I loved Mark's message. Encourage courage. we got to remember that. We have to encourage each other to be courageous for the Lord. God never said we had to do this alone. Thank you, Jesus. I need people to encourage me all the time. Hey, Kara, you were a little off on that. You were a little harsh when you said that. Um, you look a little down. Can I pray for you? Hey, I've got this word for you. I've got this scripture for you. Can I cook you a dinner? I know you had surgery. Whatever. Those are just the practical things. My mom prayed for me my whole life. Thank you, Nana. We need each other. We need to encourage each other, right? And that's how we get into the world is we do it together. We have to rally around each other. So Jesus came to change what? The culture? the religion, the mindsets, the traditions. There were so many things. And when Jesus would speak, people were like, what? You can't say that. It's crazy. He was a wild man in their eyes. He was saying things that they'd never heard. They had built this very structured religious system that worked for them. It provided them safety and comfort. It provided them those walls so they knew where their boundaries were. It provided them control. It provided them position. And all of a sudden, this wild man, Jesus, comes, and he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father except through me. He says things like, I can forgive sins. And the Pharisees are like, what? Did you hear what he just said? He thinks he can forgive sin. That's who we're talking about, that Jesus. that came to bring freedom and life to the captives. I can tell you standing here today, I have benefited my whole life from the freedom that is offered through my Savior. It is not a one-time seal the deal, all right, good luck with your life. Every single day, I experience him, his love, his favor, his grace. There's seasons where I needed him to be a defender, and all of a sudden he defended me. There were times I needed a protector, and boom, I felt protected. I felt the safety I felt the covering. There's so many aspects of God and so many more I don't even know yet. He's faithful, amen? Think about this. Jesus is asking us to be his disciples. Sounds great, right? Jesus is awesome. Like, sign me up. Great, I'll be your disciple. 
Not a problem. This is what that means. Take up the cross. When we embrace him and identify with him, we are crucified with Christ. That's in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me, right? So we're crucified with him and we're raised to new life. That part sounds exciting. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The third thing is we are sent back into the world to free others. This is in John 17, 18. I also have sent them into the world. So we're crucified with Christ. We're raised to life, and then we're sent back into the world, guys. We are not here just to benefit for ourselves on everything that we've gained. We haven't earned it. We've just gained it. We've received it, right? We were rescued, saved, and plucked from darkness and given light. He did not do all of this just for us. There's an entire world out there that we are supposed to be sent into. But we can only be sent into if we're coming from that place that we are not of. Right? We have to come from that place that we are different. We are loved. And therefore we go out and we're sent into the world from that place where we show that love. I had a bunch of pictures, and they're probably not going to show up, but I'll just kind of tell you what they were. Um, I had a picture of a fireman carrying out a child from a fire. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, you can't see it. Flames in the background. He's got his full gear on. You know, there's all the black stuff all over him, the ashes and the soot. And he's got this child in his arms carrying out of the fire. Typical picture that you would see, right? And I was thinking, how much more awesome? Because that person, that fireman, will always be remembered. That's the fireman that saved that kid's life, who ran back into the fire, risked his own life to save another. What a hero. What about those times we run into darkness because our child is going the wrong way? What about those times we hit our knees and begin to pray because our neighbor's spouse passed away and we know that they're hurting? What about those times where there's just an onslaught of attacks from the enemy and people are feeling hopeless and weak and we decide to say, we are not going to bow down to the enemy. We are going to stand for righteousness. We are going to fight and see the Lord victorious. What about those times? That's you running out of the fire with a baby in your arms. Saying, I am not going to let the enemy consume this one. Uh Uh-uh. You have that power. You have that choice. I have that choice. It seems dramatic, guys, but it's not. The Bible says that we are in a battle. There are principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness that are fighting for our lives every day. So where are you supposed to go into? Who are you reaching in your life? Who are those people that are in the fire that God would like to send you into to rescue? Not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We run into the darkness to rescue people by his 
might by his power because of him and who he is. So I had some more pictures. But do you work in Denver? Do you work in Boulder? Do you see people passing on the 16th Street Mall or Tabor or Lammer Square? Do you work in an, a busy office where you hop on an elevator or you see people through the halls every day? Do you find yourself in the areas of community like the pool or the rec center, the library or a local park where you run into other moms? They probably look pretty put together. They probably look like they're happy because that's what we do. We put on a happy face and we pretend that it's all okay until we get home and we shut the door and we fall apart. Do you find yourself on an airplane when you're traveling and you don't want to talk to anyone, you're tired? Or do you find yourself in a construction site where you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody in the same room all day long? Do you find yourself in a middle school choir room with the same 14 or 40 kids every day? Do you find yourself in your backyard with the same two little ones hanging on your leg, day in and day out? Everywhere you go, there's those little ones on a hip, on your leg, in a stroller. Do you have meals with people that are special to you? Family from abroad, family that's out of town, or family that you see often? The obvious answer to all these questions is yes. Yes, I do. That is where you're sent. The, the ones that you said, yep, that's me. I got a baby on my hip. Yep, that's me, always at the gym. I see those same ladies, those same people, every Tuesday morning. That's where you're sent. I don't go where you go. I don't see the people that you see. If I went and sat in the middle school choir room, they'd probably kick me out. Why are you here, old lady? I can't reach those seventh grade choir kids. The cadence can. That is running into the fire, snatching up that beloved person that God loves so much and saying, you're worth it. Because you know what, guys? Jesus did that for us. He did not walk away. You remember his last prayer? He said, God, if there's any other way, Father, if there's any other way than for, for me not to do this, that's what I want. But if it's your will, if this is what you want, if this is your way, I'll do it. Right? That's him running back into the fire, saying to Amber, you're worth it, baby. You're worth it. Joey, you're worth it. He ran back into the fire. He put himself on the cross. And he died so that each one of us could have life. So my challenge to us this morning is to wake up. If you're like me, I get fired up, and I'm rearing to go, and then I get busy at work, and I forget to tell anyone about the Lord. And then I get fired up. I, I don't want to do that. I want to remember every day that these people that I work with, these people that I live next to, these people that I play soccer with, these people that I do life with, they need that loving, awesome, powerful, healer, 
of a Jesus that I have. Amen? Amen. If you guys wouldn't mind just standing up for me, please. Thinking about my story at the gym, what if you could be one of those people that walk into the gym and bring a fragrance that's not what you smelled when you first got there? You know how you're in a stinky place and there's the air freshener, there's a spray, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's so much better. We are that fragrance. We are that spray that the Lord wants to spray in those dark places that don't smell very good. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17 out of the Message Bible. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Through us, through all of you, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent rising to God. This is recognized by those on the way to salvation, an aroma redolent with life. It's hard when we live a messy life to think of ourselves as fragrance. But that's what the scripture says. That everywhere we go, we are to be a fragrance to the Lord and a fragrance to those around us. Offering that sweet sense of the Lord, the sweet sense of his presence. So that when the filth and the um, repulsive sin gets in the way, we can come from that place of being of the Lord, of his heart, that place of peace and rest, that place of joy and excitement and passion coming from that place into that dark place and being that, that fragrance that's beautiful. Amen? Amen.